Please join me in the prayer for God to illumine our hearts and minds. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. Listen to God's word for us. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them recompense. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. During the British rule of India, the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise we just heard, sung from Luke's gospel, this music, these words, was seen as so disruptive, it was not allowed to be sung in the church. In the 1980s, Guatemala's government came to believe Mary's words about God's love for the poor were too dangerous and revolutionary to be heard aloud. Those words were inspiring the Guatemalan people to believe, to actually believe that change was possible. So the government banned any public recitation of Mary's song of praise. In 1933, in the growing shadow of the Third Reich, Dietrich Bonhoeffer preached a sermon during the Advent season where he talked about the power of Mary's song, writing, The song of Mary is the oldest Advent hymn. It is at once the most passionate, the, the wildest, and the most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. This is not the gentle, tender, dreamy Mary whom we sometimes see in the paintings, the song has none of the sweet, nostalgic, or even playful tones of our Christmas carols. It is instead a hard, strong, 
hard, strong song about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. The Magnificat is the great New Testament song of liberation, personal and social, moral and economic. It's a revolutionary document of intense conflict and beautiful victory. And the liberation described in the Magnificat is achieved through a reordering of things, beginning, it seems, with the life of young Mary, a teenager at the bottom of the social ladder, a teenager, an unwed girl, is by God's grace chosen to be Theotokos, the mother of God. This upending of her life compels Mary to sing about this great reordering, a movement, a moment that she does not believe stops with her. Listen again to Mary's words. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the prouds, the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Mary is with child. God's child. And with the incarnate word dancing in her womb, Mary sees clearly what this child is going to do. He's going to reorder everything. God, I believe, is in the business of reordering things from what they are to what they can be. And this reordering is not like the straightening up of a pantry or the cleaning out of a closet. This reordering is on a cosmic scale. Because of the life and death and resurrection of a baby born in Bethlehem, life, not death, now has the last word. In this new order of things, the last turn out to be the first, and the meek, not the powerful, will inherit the earth. In this reordered reality, enemies deserve our love. And the poor and the outcast are favored in God's eyes. Mary sings, and our world is turned upside down. Which might be why her song is sometimes hard to hear. One of the tasks of the season of Advent and its cousin Lent is an honest accounting of our lives. Advent is a time of preparation when we get our spiritual houses in order so we can welcome, fully welcome Christ into our lives. And if Mary's song is a plumb line by which our lives are measured and centered, let's be honest, we all, we all have some work to do. Jesus' birth not only initiates a reordering, according to Mary and to Jesus later on in his life, his birth demands a reordering. I think I've mentioned it before, but standpoint theory, it's one of my 
favorite social theories out there because it aligns, I believe, so well with the teachings and the life of Jesus. Standpoint theory teaches that those at the bottom of social hierarchies, those who are often victims of marginalization or oppression, that they see a system more accurately, more clearly, than those at the top who benefit from the system's structures. Typically, we think that the person at the top of society, with the one with the benefits of all the education and time and resources needed to read and study and learn and think, we, we think that is the person who have, must, have, must have the clearest view of things, who understands the system best. Standpoint theory and the Song of Mary suggest otherwise. For it's the people on the underside, at the bottom of any social hierarchy, who see clearly truths about the system others are not able to see. Which means these are the very people we need to listen to and hear from in our desire to make our world a more just and equitable place, a world that looks more like the kingdom of God. I think this means we have more to learn from the custodians of large corporations who clean up for rich and poor alike, and from the blue-collar worker in the assembly line than we do from the CEO in her corner office or the scholar in her study. And that's because the viewpoint of those on the bottom is a viewpoint not all that different from the mother of Jesus. Mary's Magnificat is the passionate, wise speech of someone at the bottom. Not only is she a religious minority as a Jew, she's also poor and young and a woman. And yet, in her song, Mary declares that from where she stands, she clearly sees God at work in the world, overturning injustice, humbling the proud and powerful, freeing God's people from oppression, and lifting the poor up and out of poverty. And her confidence in the song is, is inspiring if we listen to it. It's amazing how much she believes that God is and will do these things. But we shouldn't be all that surprised by her belief in God. Mary doesn't struggle like we often do to believe in God's great reordering because she's living it. God's story is her story. In his blog, Texas Faith, that only a Texan could entitle a blog to say. In his blog, Texas Faith, Bill McKenzie writes about what he thinks it means to be a hero in today's world. A real hero, he writes, is the one who never gives up on making meaning, even in the face of ugliness and ambiguity. She wakes up and loves and makes the toasts and defends her friends She is open to being overtaken by the beauty of ordinary things. She suspects, if you ask her, that any well-orchestrated search for meaning will fail. She knows that meaning, rather, comes to us. It surrounds us. It enfolds us. It claims us. Our goal is not to perceive it, not to find it. But a perception, for whatever reason, is harder than it should be. So the question that currently frames my search for meaning is this. How might I live more perceptively? And the best answer I have so far is to love this world more. 
I wonder if the invitation to us embedded in Mary's song of praise is simply to live more perceptively, to see things as she does from where she sits, to love this world a little bit more. And I think we do that, as Mary did, by learning to respond to disruption, not with anger or fear, but with curiosity and hope. I wonder if to believe in and participate in God's great reordering of things is simply to make a commitment to look for God's purposes in all the chaos and disorder that breaks into our lives. Our disruptions might not be on the scale of Mary being told she was about to become the mother of God's son, but we all know what it's like to be given some news that changes everything. We all know what it feels like to get the diagnosis or to lose the job or to be disappointed by a loved one. We all know the disruption caused by the passing of a close family member or friend or the end of a beloved tradition or the rise of some new social movement. We all know how difficult a reordering can be to navigate. But then there's Mary, a teenager, who takes this news, this life-altering news, and responds with hope and with praise. God has chosen to do something new in her and with her, And she believes, because of that, not only her life, but the world will never be the same. Eleven months into this coronavirus pandemic, I have lost count of how many times people have said to me, or I've said out loud, to be honest, gosh, I just can't wait till things get back to normal. I hear that all the time. And I understand (laughs) We are all tired and worn out and sick of this pandemic. And we're tired of the waves of consequences that keep crashing upon our shores. We are all tired of this this disruption that has altered so much. But there is no going back to normal. Things have changed permanently. Truths have been revealed about us and our society, our relationships that cannot be unlearned. Disparities have been brought to light that cannot be ignored. And we're never going to commune with each other in quite the same way. And as frustrating and as painful as this is for many of us, truth be told, there's a large swath of society, members of Mary's choir, who don't really want things to go back to the way they were. They want, they need a reordering of things. And their cries for change and for help and for transformation can be difficult to hear, especially for those of us who benefited from the way things were. But I wonder, I wonder if we are willing, as Mary was, to choose curiosity instead of fear. In response to all that is happening around us, I wonder 
if we change our perception just a little bit, I wonder if we might see the hand of God at work. To be clear, I am not saying God caused this pandemic and its subsequent crises. But I do believe in my heart of hearts that God never wastes a crisis. Because God knows there is no better time to do something new, something unexpected, than when the ground is already shifting beneath our feet. If God loves us, which I think God does, and if God longs for our sanctification, which I'm certain God does, if God wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, then God's never going to miss an opportunity to send the Spirit into a disruption to reorder our lives. A few years ago, a woman who was watching a kindergarten Christmas pageant was moved to tears as the children sang out a song with the words from Isaiah chapter 35, words that I think echo the reordering promised in Mary's song of praise. The kids sang, You be the lion, strong and wild. I'll be the lamb, meek and mild. We'll live together happily, because that's how it ought to be. She wrote, As I watched that throng of kindergartners sing, Something immensely powerful washed over me. It was like a monsoon of hope and sadness. All these kids so certain the world ought to be this way. And me so certain of all the ways it isn't. It moved me to tears, really. A jumbled mix of bittersweet tears, Advent tears. For that long pause between what is and what should be what is and what we Jesus followers believe one day will be. Make no mistake about it, we live in a time in between, a time full of disruptions, when faithfulness might just be best expressed through a willingness to believe, believe in and participate in God's great reordering, a work that began thousands of years ago in a womb of an unwed teenage girl and a work that I believe continues today in each one of us. And Mary has every reason to be angry, confused, and scared. Everything she knew, gone in an instant. Her world is turned upside down. God's uninvited inbreaking alters the landscape of her life in ways that few of us can scarcely imagine. And yet Mary, young Mary, chooses to see this massive disruption as proof positive that God is active in her life despite her situation. And more importantly, she takes this experience of God's disruption to believe, to profess, to proclaim that God is active in the world. And isn't that what we all want to believe? That God is active, that God cares, that God is present in our lives to be sure, but also in our world, working amidst all the craziness and brokenness and beauty and wonder, working in all of that disruption to make all things, all people, all situations, all places new. If that is our collective wish, 
and you're here on Sunday morning during a pandemic, so I think it is. If that is our collective wish, that God is present and active, then Mary's song, sung by a young teenage girl from the bottom of society, Mary's song is our song too. So let's sing with joy and with praise. Amen.